Welcome to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. Today we've got an amazing message of hope and healing just for you. God's Word never returns to Him void, so let this message sink deep into your heart so that you can walk out your complete healing journey today. Hello everyone. Welcome to another Healing Journeys Today with Mike Hesh. Yep, that's my name. Today I have a a message that I think is very timely for all of us and uh, kind of following a theme that the Lord has, uh, you know, started a few weeks ago about kind of like our authority, like how does that work and how do we apply that? And I titled this, uh, How to Stop the Symptom Before It Becomes a Mountain. You know, we, uh, I don't know if it's a common expression today, but growing up, uh, you know, we always heard this expression, you know, don't turn that molehill into a mountain. And uh, that's what happens so often in uh, when we're challenged with a situation uh, in maybe in our physical body, maybe in our life around us, uh, we're, we have something comes up and instead of us just addressing it and leaving it as that little bump in the road, uh, we start focusing on it and we magnify that thing into Mount Everest and we can't get over it. So how do you stop from doing that? How do you keep that little, small, insignificant thing uh, from turning into a mountain? You know, I have a particular testimony about that. You know, all of you, most of you know my testimony and, uh, and you know, you know how long it took uh, for me to actually get to a place to receive that I was healed. And, you know, after I received healing, I still had the symptoms for a while, uh, but I knew I was healed. And in fact, uh, I told my wife just a few weeks after I'd received my healing, I told her, I said, you know, Caroline, I could have had this eight years ago. Now, she knew what I meant because she saw the change in my heart. She saw the change that occurred in my thinking, my demeanor, my attitude, everything. And so she knew what I meant when I said I could have had this eight years ago. And that's what I'm talking about today. I could have stopped that from turning into the mountain that it became in my life, in my heart, and then appeared on my chest as that mountain. So uh, how do we stop that from happening? You know, our father has laid out a very detailed uh, way to do that in his word to stop that from happening. And, you know, I wanted to start in, in uh, 1 Peter 5, if you'll turn there with me, 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to read a few verses there. But, you know, think about it. When you first get a symptom, what happens? What normally do we do when we have that first symptom? Well, uh, you know, I'll use myself as an example. I remember years ago, I had, uh, I had, uh, I woke up one morning and I had this like crampy, unsettled feeling in my gut or my abdomen. And, you know, I got to thinking and right away I start thinking about what did I eat last night? What did I have to eat? You know, my mind went right away to the flesh. And uh, so I started thinking, what did I eat, you know? And uh, then I thought, you know what, it'll just pass. So I ate a, 
you know, a bland breakfast and a bland lunch, you know, and, and it kind of subsided a little bit. And then, you know, and then uh, uh, when it didn't go away completely, I start thinking like, what did I do? What have I, what have I been eating over, you know, a long period of time? And, you know, my mind just went to the flesh, trying to figure it out, trying to discover it. Uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about my wife, Caroline, who had a, the devil attack her in the leg to where she was like in, you know, uh, a number 15 pain on a scale of one to 10. And, uh, and she, that's the first thing that came to her when that gradually came on her was like, well, what did I do when I was working out? Or did I, you know, do something on a hike? Or, you know, did I sit down funny, you know? It's so easy for us to go to that. And you know who brings that to our mind? It's the enemy. And, you know, I don't want to put all the blame on him, although he's worthy of it. <laughs> what I would like to say is, really, that's the default in our heart. See, we still, you know, I don't, I don't even like to admit this, but it's the truth and it sets me free. Uh, you know, I still need my carnal mind uh, put out of my head and heart. It's so easy to default to the flesh instead of uh, defaulting to the Word of God. Now, I've improved a great deal, you know, over the years, and uh, praise God, to Him be the glory. And uh, I'm still on that path of renewing my mind to where when things come up, I don't think like, well, what I eat, what I do, what happened here? I think, you know, this is really now what I, I practice in my heart is I, or I speak it out loud sometimes, I'll say, Father, what's going on here? What do you think about what I'm experiencing now? And what that does is it, it just stops any thoughts in my mind and heart and refocuses me to where my strength is. You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago and I'm going to bring it up again today, was, you know, our weapons that God has given us are not in the flesh. You know, uh, you can resist all you want with your own physical strength, your own stubbornness, and your own willpower, but it's going to fail at one point or another. And, and it's better that it fails sooner than later. Some people, uh, you know, I'm a some people, <laughs> I had to get seven and a half years almost dead before I gave up on my stubbornness and said, hey, there's got to be something stronger than I am, you know? And so what happens is uh, this symptom, let's just stick there, you know, for, you know, our time of discussion, but that symptom comes up or that situation comes up in our life. And right away, we start thinking about how to solve it, how to fix it, how to get rid of it. And what and what happens is right away we start focusing in on that. And what happens on what you focus? Well, whatever you focus on, that's going to be magnified in your mind and in your heart. So that's what the enemy does right away. He knows how that works. So he starts throwing thoughts at us to get us to focus on the flesh. Now, why would he do that? Well, because he knows that in the flesh we are weak. After the spirit, we're strong and he'll be defeated. He knows that. So he tries to get us with thoughts, throws them to our mind. 
and creates a care or concern about that symptom by keeping it in front of our eyes through the thoughts coming to our mind or the feelings that we're tuning into in our body. So Peter addresses that, and I think it's beautiful how he does that in verse 7. He says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You know, instead of us having a care or, a, you know, the word care actually here means a division or a distraction. Do you know that when you accept or recognize a symptom or a negative situation or something in your life, it can be either an observation, yes, I'm aware of that, or it can become a division or a distraction. What is it dividing us away from or distracting us from? The status that we have after the Spirit, who we are in the Spirit. That's the enemy's goal. So when we have that arise in our heart, what do we need to do? We need to cast it off of us, our mind, our heart, and cast it off onto the Lord. Now, notice what he adds. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, our goal is not to be on the devil's menu. It's to be off of it. You know, like you go to your favorite restaurant and they have it, you know, no longer served. That's what should be by each of our names on the devil's menu is no longer being served. And that's what we want to be aware of, that the devil is as a lying a lion trying to devour us. So what's he going to use? Any method or means concerning your flesh that he can use. Now, how do we stop that? Well, Peter makes it very clear. He says, be sober and be vigilant. You know, the opposite of being sober is being drunk, okay? Do you know that you can be intoxicated with something not, I'm not talking about alcohol alone, but we can be intoxicated with our own thoughts, with our own reactions, with our own ways and ideas to where we think, oh, I can handle this. You know, I often think of diet. Many people have diets and, and very strict regimen they follow, and they don't realize that they have become intoxicated with that in their life to where they can't think apart from that. You don't want to be that. Do you know when it talks about being sober, it means that uh, uh, so being sober, Peter talks about it in 1 Peter 1, first thing, uh, verse 13. He said, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. See, he's talking about what happens to your mind that causes you to be drunk or not sober. And how do we do that? We have to gird the loins of our mind with what? With truth. You know, in Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us that the, uh, the armor that we have, that we have to gird the loins of our mind with truth. And Peter's using that exact same analogy is that you don't want to run around naked where you're vulnerable to any attack, but you want to be gird up with truth, your mind, to where it's not 
uh, you know, okay, I'll have another drink, where it's like, no, I need to allow my mind to be sharp. You know, in uh, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, it uses the same example where Paul is exhorting us to not be asleep, but to be awake as children of light, to not be in darkness. And he likens that to being uh, drunk. And he says, we need to be sober, children of the day. We need to be sober. That's so important for our mind and heart. And then Peter makes the point, be vigilant. Why should we be vigilant about being sober and keeping that truth before our mind and heart? Because the enemy is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And again, we do not want to be on his menu. And the only way to keep off of that is recognizing the thoughts coming to us where we're not turning that little molehill, that little tiny situation into this giant mountain that we cannot get over. No, we do not want that at all in our life. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, I went seven and a half years focused on sickness and disease, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger in my mind and heart. I'm going to share an example of how diligent and vigilant we must be in a moment. But, you know, the, whenever I read this scripture here, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you, I think of Philippians chapter 4. You may also, but in Philippians chapter 4, he's making the same point but he's emphasizing the part about um, the truth, girding the loins of your mind. What are you thinking on? What thoughts are you bringing? Uh, what, what thoughts are you allowing to be in your mind? And he uses the same thing. He says in verse six, be careful for nothing. Do you know what that means? I'm going to say it. You've heard it a hundred times. This will be 101. Uh, the word nothing there means not even one thing. So you say, well, how can we stop that from happening? Well, you don't let it get started as a care, okay? In other words, just to recognize a situation in your life, a symptom in your body is not the same as receiving a care. Notice what it says, be careful for nothing. The word careful means to be exactly the same meaning in First uh, Peter 5, verse 7. It's the same meaning, to be or become distracted or uh, anxious, okay? So it says, be anxious for nothing. Don't be distracted uh, by anything, not even one thing. So if it's talking about being distracted from, where is our mind to be that it's being distracted from? Our mind is to be girded up with truth. Our mind should be on what the truth is. We should be walking after the Spirit. You know, like today, all of you have tuned in, you're watching, and thank you for watching. I'm, I'm blessed uh, that you would join me. But think about this. Uh, you're joining in here not because you want to see what kind of shirt I'm wearing, you know, what, what my hair looks like or what my background is, what kind of chair I'm sitting. You don't care about any of those fleshly things. 
What you're tuning in for is to hear the truth. And you're girding the loins of your mind with the truths that you're hearing. See, the spirit in you is drawing you to this. And I, you know, I commend you for yielding to what the spirit has drawn you to today. And that's good for your heart. And that's going to keep the, you off the enemy's menu if you'll follow after the truths that you're hearing, that you'll let these be sown into your heart and you'll meditate in them. And the fruit of them is going to be freedom in that situation, freedom from that symptom. Amen. Notice what he says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, we all have done this. This kind of prayer is not one that is responding to a terrible fear that you have now because you heard so-and-so had that same symptom that you have and they died from it. You know, that's not how we pray. That's, you can, you know, our Father will hear uh, your heart, but the desperation is going to defeat your faith in that prayer. What the prayer he's talking about here is communicating God's will over your situation. And what is God's will? It's his word. 1 John 5, uh, verse 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, what is his will? It's recorded here in his word. It says, if we ask anything according to his will or his word, we can know that he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have the petition, the asking that we have requested of him. Wow, what a confidence. So when it says here, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, if you're just throwing out a prayer of desperation, like, God, I need to be healed now. I don't want this to turn into cancer. Oh. If that happens, you're, you're not going to be thanking God. You're going to be in panic mode. You're going to be in damage control instead of saying, wait a minute, whoa, 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 where you reel your thoughts in and say, wait a minute. It is written that by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Therefore, no matter what this symptom is speaking to me, God's word is true. And I'm going to pray according to God's word that no weapon formed against me can prosper. And every voice rising against me in judgment, I'm going to condemn because that's my heritage. That's coming from the righteousness that I am in Christ Jesus. And that will have no place in me. And what's that going to produce in you? The thanksgiving that this is talking about. Because you're not just praying in desperation. You're praying in assurance because you have a truth from God's word. Your mind has been girded with those truths, and now you're living out of that truth. Think about this for a minute. Have you ever had a pair of baggy pants? Okay. And, uh, you know, it's popular now, you know, to wear your pants down, you know, across your cheeks, but that's not uh, how they're to be worn, just in case you're not sure. But, um, you can't run very fast if you got them down that far. What if somebody's chasing you? You're going to trip and fall. No, just kidding. Uh, think about this for a moment. That 
how do you keep that your pants from hindering you or being focused on them falling down? You put a belt around them and you cinch the belt up so you can forget about where your pants are on you because they're not going to move. You know, we do the same thing with God's word. We, that's the belt that we put on our thoughts and they're not going to be falling down when another thought tries to get in or we fill our pockets full and our pants become heavier. No, they can't get past our hip bones because the belt is holding them secure. That's what the truth does. And that's what this is talking about here. Notice the results that come from when you take a thought and you don't let it become a care or you don't allow your heart to be anxious about it, but you go to what the word says about it and you commit it to in your heart, in prayer, communicating it, whether it's directly to whatever God has inspired you to speak about it, or whether it's, Father, what do I need to do about this situation? And thank you for showing me that wherever I'm otherwise minded than you are, you're going to show me. And you thank him that you can let go of this now and get back to whatever you were doing before this distracted you. And notice what it says the result of will be. It says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep or guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. You know, this is exactly what we're told in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where it says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. So if you have if you have taken the word of truth and girded your mind with it and you're challenged with a mountain, I mean, with a, a you know, speed bump comes into your life, a symptom, a circumstance, a situation, it will never become a mountain in your life because you're not going to let it start in your heart. Do you know a mountain uh, comes from a seed, Okay. And that seed is the lie that the enemy speaks to you about your symptom. And the more time you spend focusing on the seed, the larger it's going to get. So we need to stop that right away. We need to capture that thought. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5, tells us that we should, uh, that the weapons of our warfare are not in our flesh. That's where the enemy wants to draw you out to your flesh because you're weak. You're going to fail in your flesh. So the enemy wants to draw you out into that. So don't go there because the weapons God has given you are mighty through the spirit to pull down anything that be, and where it won't become a stronghold. But if it does become a stronghold, that word, that spirit, that life that God has given you will pull that stronghold down too. Now, how do you prevent it? Well, it goes on in verse five. From becoming a stronghold? Well, it tells us in verse five. It says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Wow, that's a formula for stopping a symptom from turning into a mountain. Right there, if you just meditated in that word, 
you'd be free. It would, it would never advance beyond that symptom. You know, that's the same point that I'm going to read in a second that it uh, finishes in Philippians uh, 4 verse 8. But in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, where it says to cast down imaginations, what does that mean? Well, casting down imaginations is a is a like a war term, the casting. It means to take by the spear. Do you know we have to be very diligent or vigilant, as Peter put it, and to be sober so where we can use the spear that we have been given, which is the truth of God's word, and it's a deadly weapon. In other words, those thoughts don't just need to be set aside or ignored. They need to be killed with that spear to where it's not going to rise up again against you. That's very important. And how do we recognize that a thought is an imagination or something that can hinder us from or allow that hinder us from receiving deliverance or cause that mountain to grow? How do we recognize the difference? Well, it says right here that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? It's truth. It is the word, the written word of God. That is the truth. That is the knowledge of God. As it says here in uh, Philippians 4 verse 8, it says, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, if they have any power or virtue, if there's any praise in them at all, he says, think on those things. That's what we need to gird the loins of our mind with. These things right here. Well, let me ask you, what is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, a good report, has power, and has praise? What fits into all that? What category does that fit in? The Word of God. See, if we're thinking on that Word of God, it's like, you know, if you're wearing a nice white shirt and you, you know, splash some of your spaghetti sauce on it, it's going to be obvious. You're going to like, oh, man. But if you have a burgundy-colored shirt on and you're eating spaghetti, you might not recognize till you take your shirt off when you get home and realize, hey, wow, look at all those spots. But see, you didn't notice them because there was no contrast. See, think about that. When we are, when our mind is girded up with truth, then anything that's not lovely, that's not true, that's not honest, that isn't of a good report, that has no power in it, wow, we're, that's going to be like spaghetti sauce on a white shirt. We're going to say, hey, that's no way. That can't stay there. And we're going to get it off right away. We're not going to allow it to remain. And that's, what, that's the way we stop a symptom from turning into a mountain is we see it in the light of the truth of God's word to where it has no more place in us. Wow. Wow, that is powerful. Think about that. And yet, how simple. Our Father, 
it, you know, this gets me. He is so loving. He is so tender. He is so kind that he's provided this simple method to walk in freedom, to walk victorious, where we can have a peace that passes what our thoughts and how we can explain it with our own carnal mind. He says, look, I'm going to give you a peace through my truth that's going to you're, you're, you're just going to not understand. Your mind's going to say, I don't know why I have such peace, you know, even though I got this symptom, but you know what? I'm, I'm okay because I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus and this symptom will not stay. It will not last. It'll be gone. You know, the day I received healing, when I understood that, that it was, that there was nothing I needed to do that God did everything through Jesus Christ, and I broke agreement with that lie that's in my heart, I walked out of that room a healed person. Now, I still had all the symptoms, but you know what else I had? I had this peace that passes understanding because now my mind was girded with the truth, and that truth was telling me, Mike, you're healed. Jesus did it all. There's nothing you have to do. You're free to live your life as the healed person that Jesus has made you. And what did that do? Oh my goodness, it gave me a peace. And in that peace was a strength that went beyond my physical body's ability to recover on its own. And what happened? The enemy lost his place. I was immediately taken off the menu. You know, it's like on the menu was printed, this is no, my cash is no longer being served. And the devil had to look elsewhere. He had no more place in me at all. Amen. You know, uh, <clears throat> this is the very same point that is made in Hebrews. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. And then very quickly, I want to get to an example of this uh, for you where you can make application and see, wow, that's how simple it is. Listen to this again in uh, Hebrews 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God, notice the word of God, not our flesh, not what we think about the word of God, but the word of God itself. It says, for the word of God is quick. It's powerful. You know, the word quick there means alive, active, living. So the word of God is alive. It's powerful. You know, the word powerful there is the same word that we uh, use for, um, you know, active. Uh, what's, uh, you know, like uh, inaction, okay? It's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Do you know, I mean, I've experienced this and I know you have too. The devil throws these darts, these thoughts at us. And what is it? What happens? Those thoughts come to us, and what do they do? Wow, they feel like someone just jabbed us with a knife or stuck us with a sword. Amen? And, uh, and wow, that just like, it's brutal. But this says that the word is sharper than that. And notice what it does. It divides asunder the soul and spirit, which is the spiritual part of us, 
from the joints and marrow, the physical part of us. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Wow. And that's what we were just reading in Philippians, that when you get that word and you're thinking on that word, you have in your mind and heart, you're discerning the situation. You're knowing that you are victorious, that there is a way of escape. You're, you're hearing what God's word is saying, and you're experiencing that victory in that. And wow, that is so beautiful. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides the flesh from the spirit, and it shows us what is in our heart, what our thoughts are. You know, you might have a thought in your mind where you're thinking, hmm, is that from the Lord or is that from the devil? Well, what's how are you going to know the difference? Well, this word right here is going to show you the difference. Because again, like we just read in Philippians, is it lovely? Is it just? Is it honest? Is it true? Does it have power? Does it, is it empowering you to overcome? Okay. Uh, is it creating praise in your heart or is you sinking deeper into doubt or despair? That's the power of the word. And when you have that word in your mind, and your mind is girded up, it's got that belt tightly holding up the truth in your life, what are you going to do? You're going to discern, hey, that thought is not from my father. That's from the enemy. He's trying to put me on his menu, and I ain't going to go there. Period. End of discussion. And you grab hold of that word, and it divides you from the flesh where the enemy's trying to draw you out, and it's centering you in the spirit where there's peace that passes understanding, where you can say, Father, thank you. This, this symptom can't stand, and it won't progress. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. It will never have place in my heart, and it needs place in your heart to continue. Amen? And I wanted to give an example of this. Wow, there's much more we could talk about, but let me just... I want to give an example from our example. You know, it tells us in Hebrews where we just were, were let me just read it since I'm thinking of it. Uh, listen to what it says. It says that we should, I'm in 12 verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. See, we should always look to Jesus. How did he manifest faith? faith. How did he manifest his steadfastness on the word of God? That's what we're to look to. That's the example that we are to follow. Amen? And so that's what we're doing. We're going to look at an example of Jesus who had something come up in his life, and what did? how did he respond? Well, he was sober, and he was vigilant, and he took it right away uh, back to what you and I have just read here. I went into more detail uh, than Jesus does here in this example, but we can see all the principles that I just shared with you. We can see all of those principles present and manifested in uh, 
what we're about to read. I'm going to Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus sits down with his disciples and he says to them, he says, hey, who, who's ever, you know, you're out there with the people and you're hearing what they're saying. Who are they saying that I am? And, you know, they, the disciples said, you know, well, some say you're Jeremiah the, or some other prophet. Some say you're Eliza or, or, or John the Baptist risen from the dead. And then Jesus stops them and he says, you know, but what do you say? Who do you say that I am? See, we might know what everyone else is saying about our situation, but you know what's really going to matter is what you say in your heart about that situation. Amen? And so Jesus does that. He pulls Peter, he pulls their attention back to their own heart and their own mind. And he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and says, well, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And boy, did that bless Jesus. Jesus said, wow, Peter, that's wonderful. My words. He says, you know, flesh and blood did not reveal that unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. See, Jesus realized that that answer that Peter was given could only be quickened by the spirit. That's the only way it could happen. And he knew that that's the job of his father was to quicken, to make alive a truth to our own heart if we'll receive it. And Peter received that. And Jesus said, wow, that is awesome. You know, again, my words. Uh, but he was blessed that Peter received what the father was sharing with him to the point where he had a conviction. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. You know, can you imagine Jesus is probably thinking, wow, they're finally getting some of these truths that I've been sharing with them and they're hearing from my father. And so something else comes to his heart to share. He says, wow, I think they might be able to bear this too. So he goes on. And in verse 21 of Matthew 16, Jesus says, from that time forth uh, began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Well, when he said that he was going to be killed, he lost their attention. And listen to what Peter says. Peter says, Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto you. Can you see this? Now, here is the disciple taking the master and correcting the master and telling him, no, you can't do that. Something wrong with that picture, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> you know, now Peter meant well, but Peter didn't hear what Jesus was saying. Otherwise, he wouldn't have stopped Jesus. He stopped at the part, he stopped listening after the part where he heard Jesus say, I'm going to be killed. And Peter stopped listening and said, no, 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 I'm not going to lose my new friend. Gosh, we've just, we're just getting to know each other. I love this, this man, Jesus. I don't want to lose him now. And then he speaks up and he says, far be it from you, Lord. These things are not going to happen to you. Now listen to what Jesus, well, Listen to what Jesus doesn't say. 
Jesus doesn't say, oh, Peter, you know, I love you too. I sure appreciate your heart, but you know what I'm telling you has to happen. No, Jesus did not say that. Do you know why? Because Jesus recognized the source behind the thought that Peter was giving voice to. Okay? Very, 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 very important. Listen to what Jesus says. But Jesus turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And then he just goes on. And Jesus says unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And he just goes right on talking. Do you see what he did? This is so important. And, and it's, I think it's a wonderful example of how we can live our life and not allow those symptoms to turn into mountains. See, Jesus recognized right away that the motive behind the thought that Peter was expressing was what? His flesh. It didn't agree with the word of God. So the moment that thought was expressed to him, what did he do? He knew this is the devil, and that's my buddy Peter, but he's speaking the devil. The devil is speaking through him. So who did Jesus address? Well, he looked at Peter, the source that Satan was speaking through, and he said, get thee behind me. You are an offense to me. And how did he recognize? Because he said, you're, you're into the flesh and not the things of God. You know, that's exactly where the enemy wants our thoughts to go. Why? Because then he has place in your life to turn that symptom into a mountain. But we need to do exactly what Jesus did. Our mind needs to be girded with truth. Our heart needs to be fixed and steadfast on the things of the Spirit, the things of God. And when we hear those carnal thoughts about a symptom, we'll say, hey, wait a minute. That's not my father telling me, oh, you're going to get cancer. You're going to die, you know, or it's just going to get worse. Or the devil will say, oh, it's just eczema. Yeah, you know, you, there's no cure, but you're not going to die from it. It'll be, you know, you'll be able to manage it, you know, or you, you, you know, whatever the devil has told you. We have to stand up in that second, not wait a minute. You know, Jesus didn't pull Peter aside later and say, hey, you know, that was really the devil speaking through you. No, he stopped it right in its tracks. And he said, no, this will not have place in my mind or heart. You know, folks, I'm encouraging you. Don't let that thought have another inch of your mind, not another millimeter of your mind. Stop it right now. Do what Jesus did right here. See, this is how we're to use our authority. Yes, your authority will, uh, through your belief, will, will cast a mountain into the sea. Of course it will. But why let it turn into a mountain? Why let it be such a challenge for your heart when you can't even move a mohill? Why not practice on the mohills? Get them out of your way and say, no, this ain't going to be in my life. No, that's the first 
place of defense is as we read, or as I quoted to you in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, that's the place that we need to have our, the battleground needs to be in our mind first. We need to raise the spear in our mind. We need to let that truth arm us with that spear so that we're taking out those thoughts before they manifest into anything greater than just a thought. Amen? Wow, folks, this is such a good word. This is an awesome, awesome word. Amen? Wow. So again, I want to point out, Jesus did not hesitate. He didn't pull Peter aside and then say, oh, well, I'll do this or I'll do that. No, he immediately, what he did was he immediately took that captive, okay? He didn't wait another second. The moment he heard it, what caused him to recognize it? His mind was girded with truth. He said, wow, I got spaghetti on my white tunic. And he said, quick, give me some water. I got to get that out. That's what he did. He said, no, it ain't going to happen. I'm not allowing that thought to remain in my mind because if I allow that to remain, then what's going to happen? Well, I'll hear another thought and the enemy will start bugging me with that thought. And pretty soon I'm going to be focused on how I'm going to be killed and it's going to be gruesome. And boy, I sure don't want that. Oh, the pain will be terrible. And I might turn away from what my father has called me to do. See, Jesus is our example. This is how he exercised his faith. This is how he used authority. This is how he defeated the enemy before it became a mountain in his life. Amen. I'm going to just wrap it up there. And uh, Father, I just pray for everyone hearing these truths that they would be quickened to their mind and heart and become the power that you said your word is unto them, that they will begin to gird their mind with this, that they'll be sober and vigilant about the thoughts in their mind. And they will do as Jesus did here, not allow any contrary thought to remain in their mind longer than a second or two, that they'll recognize that it's not of you and they will cast it down. They'll get that spaghetti sauce off their shirt the second they see it. Father, thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. That's all I have for you today, folks. And as I prayed, I know that's going to be quickened to you as you go back and read. Uh, I mean, go back and uh, watch it again. So God bless you. Have a beautiful rest of your day. We hope you got some great nuggets of wisdom out of that teaching. Thank you for listening to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. And don't forget, you can find us live on Facebook and YouTube seven days a week. If you would like to donate, please go to www.healingjourneystoday.com. Isaiah 53.5 says, And by His stripes, we are healed. God bless you.